want you to turn in the scriptures to John chapter 12. Everyone finding the scriptures, turning to John chapter 12. We're going to begin reading at verse 12. Today we finish up the sermon series entitled, Sit With Me. Sit With Me, part three. From John chapter 12, each Sunday we've had a different text. So good to see you in the house of worship today. I can think of no better place than to be in God's house and God's presence. Thank you for about 10 amens. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Pastor called me Friday, while well, you're finding John 12, and we were chuckling over some things that were just funny. Amen. And uh, he had gone to have his taxes done. And uh, his CPA is up in the balcony right now. And I said, did you have to pay in or did you get some back? He said, what do you think? <laughs> and he, he uh, was playing with the CPA's phone there on the table while his taxes were getting fi filled out, and he accidentally just stuck it in his pocket. This Friday evening, drove all the way across town and realized he had the wrong phone. Had to drive all the way back across town, <laughs> return that phone. And so at 8 o'clock Friday evening, we were chuckling about that and just uh, enjoying sharing for a few moments. And while I was out of town and had talked to him several times, and then Saturday morning went to be with Christ. Amen. Which Paul says is far better. Come on. It's far better. I don't know where your faith is. But my faith keeps me from stumbling over the cross. Amen. Amen. We'll bow at the cross, not stumble over it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I remember my dad preached a sermon years ago, and it was in the old sanctuary. He said, you got to have faith to live by, and you got to have faith to go to heaven by. When it comes your time, you got to have faith to be promoted, amen, into the presence of Almighty Savior, Jesus Christ. From John chapter 12, verse 12, on the next day, now this is the Passover week. I want everybody to catch what's happening in the scriptures. This is Passover week, this very week. And on the next day, much people were come to the feast. I remind you that Passover was not optional. The Passover was required. If you were in Israel, God, God was wanting to communicate something very important to mankind through the Passover. So there were three feasts that he made absolutely mandatory, no excuse. I like to call it no excuse weekend, amen. You had to go to worship, had to go to temple, no matter where you lived. We can make our excuses, we can, we can come up with a, a lot of busyness of the schedule this week, but Passover is very important. Everybody say amen, it's very important. It's very important you connect with your faith this week and connect with Christ this week. Passover was required. And so there were much people gathered. Uh, the estimate uh, is, is very huge. How many people had actually come into Jerusalem for this eight-day festival. Eight days you set aside personal agenda and your jobs and everything else in life, and you made your way to Jerusalem and you made your way to the temple and you brought your sacrifice. Passover was that important. It was required. And so much people were there for the feast, and when they heard that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, 
They took branches of palm trees and they went forth to meet him and they cried in the streets, Hosanna! Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon. As it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at first. A lot of times in life we, we come up to situations and we don't understand why. We don't understand what's going on necessarily at first. But the Holy Spirit is so faithful to begin to reveal things. As to the disciples, they did not understand what was going on here. But when Jesus was glorified, their eyes that had been holding, they were open. The Bible says we see through a glass darkly. One day we're going to see face to face. We don't understand everything, why it happens and how it happens. But I can promise you, friends, uh, there's a point in time that revelation came to the disciples. And their eyes that had been holding to even his, his triumphal entry... After he was glorified, they understood these things. I'm praying today that spiritual illumination take place across our church family. There's some things the Holy Ghost wants to reveal that only he can make uh, real in our lives. You may be seated. By way of introduction, our lives impact those around us. We have witnessed in the last month two people in two different states that their lives had a wrongful and detrimental impact upon our nation. The bomber in Texas, the shooter in South Florida, their lives impacting people for the wrong purpose and in the wrong way. I remind us, every day we touch people. We share contacts from momentary to longer contacts where we invite people to sit with us Maybe it's around a coffee table. Maybe it's at a restaurant or in the, in the uh, work environment. Jesus walking through the crowds of Jericho in part one has one of those moments when he invites Zacchaeus, come down from that tree and let's go to your home. He has an encounter with Zacchaeus. Thousands were thronging him. For three years, thousands came. Much people here in this situation as he's about to enter Jerusalem. Thousands thronged him, but Jesus had time for every individual. In fact, the writer of the book of John's gospel and one of the other accounts gives witness that every person that came to him, he healed. I believe that he knew every person and called them by name. He calls to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus come down everybody we meet has a name I've tried to beware of this uh, be alert to this uh, as the sermon series has brought it to mind that as we encounter people uh, in life's uh, journey and life's walkway and pathway if they have name tags maybe they're in a service industry or where they I, I call them by their name people like their name do you like your name amen you ought to like your name and Jesus called Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down. Friends, we need to get on a, a named basis with people. 
And Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and he said, come sit, sit with me. Let me go to your house and let's communicate. Let me uh, share some things. And we know that household salvation came to Zacchaeus. The bleachers for me became a sycamore tree that I was seated in in a ballpark and began to look at a, a coach and think that that man needs to come sit with me for a few moments and let me share faith with him. And the Holy Spirit helped me to, in that plan and that, those opportunities of sitting in those bleachers, that was a tree to me that I was looking down on a playing field and, and, and began to minister and reach out to Dean and Tracy's life. And we saw the story of Dean's life and, and how his life was radically touched. And they got in this church. But after preaching that first message two weeks ago today, a couple come up to, came up to me after the service and our lives were so impacted by that particular couple. And they reminded me of their story. So last week we shared Ryan and Nicole's journey of faith and how their lives were so impacted. And at the end of the service, I asked this 1045 service last Sunday, I said, how many people have been impacted by Dean's life? And I had Dean come up and sit with me and Ryan come up and sit with me. And look how many people have been impacted by uh, Dean and Tracy's life over the years. And this is what came up last Sunday morning at the close of the second service. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Listen, friends, our lives have a ripple effect. And we impact people. I want Pastor Chris to come up and sit with me. And I want Jennifer Osteen to come up and sit with me. Both of these represent pastoral positions on our staff. Pastor Chris and then Mark and Jennifer Osteen, our young adults pastor. And I want to talk to them briefly. Pastor Chris, how did you come to Christ and when did you come to Christ? In 1996, uh, in the old sanctuary, how many remember the orange carpet? That beautiful, beautiful orange carpet. Um, I, I went into that sanctuary and I was saved uh, at Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. And I, I remember the night so vividly. I remember Pastor Cecil standing as he did every single year. Even after uh, he transitioned to Pastor Gary, Pastor Cecil would still up until a few years ago would stand on those steps and welcome all of the sinners into the family of God. But I remember that night him saying to me, and uh, I felt like he was saying it to the hundreds of people, he was saying it to me individually. And he said, tonight your name has been recorded in the book of life. And, uh, and he said that this is your spiritual birthday today. And uh, I've never forgotten that from that, amen. But it was, it, was the, it was a slow journey, and you know, not only did he enter me into the kingdom, but when I, and welcome me into the kingdom of God, but he also took notice that there was a call in my life, and for years, he, he mentored me, and I actually showed my Sunday school class just before I came in here today the text messages every single time I preach that he's in the sitting, he sends me a message, or a funeral that I preach, he sends me a message, and he says, Great job, Chris. You did so great today. I'm so proud of you. And he would encourage me, and you preach too long. <laughs> but but he, never, he never was critical. He is always coaching me, always mentoring me. And, uh, and I just appreciate, and, I, and I've always said this for years to my wife, 
that Pastor Cecil took a shot on me. He took a chance because he knew my background. He knew where I come from. As a matter of fact, the first two weeks I was at this church, I told my class this this morning, uh, the youth group was very small at the time but went to a local restaurant, fast food chain, and uh, one night, all of the kids were kicked out of the restaurant because they were being so, you know, throwing fries and doing whatever. And, and I was there that night, and I didn't do anything. I was, I was innocent. And, uh, but he was called to that restaurant because he knew that the kids were from his church. And they met with him, the management. And they said, the only name they could mention, they said, Chris Screws was in that room. <laughs> and uh, and I, was, I didn't know until Pastor Cecil told me this, but I was banned from this restaurant. And my name and my picture, my driver's license was up on the court board and the manager's office and said he is not allowed to be in any of these restaurants around Jacksonville. And, uh, and so him knowing all that he knew about me... <laughs> And, uh, and taking me into his wing, into a place where he called me into his office and mentored me over the years and encouraged me on a daily basis. I would never be sitting where I am today in my life, spiritually, my family, or... <sighs> I would never be a minister if he didn't ask me to come sit with him. Amen. Amen. Mark and Jennifer Osteen, Mark is working today, he's a fireman, but Mark and Jennifer lead our young adults, and, and uh, what God is doing with our young adults, uh, we, we give him all the praise, but uh, God uh, used Pastor Cecil in your life to have a ripple effect, and, and this whole story of sit with me. I was telling Pastor Gary last week after service, I was so moved by everything that happened, um, I was talking about mine and Mark's life. Um, I gave my life to Jesus at a very early age, and I lived for him. And um, in the year 2000, God led my family to this church. Pastor Cecil was the head pastor, and we had the beautiful orange carpet. Loved it. Um, across the street. And um, that year, I met the man that God had prepared for me. And we began dating 18 years ago. But before that, his family was led to this church. And you heard Pastor Gary mention his grandparents' name, Pauline and Dan Hires, who were some of the most amazing, powerful, praying men and women of God. And if you had a chance to know them, you knew that about them. But they were led here when their daughter was 23 and their baby boy was six months old in 1981, which was the year I was born. And they served in this ministry and they served under Pastor Cecil for so many years. And my husband was raised under him, and my husband became a man of God because of his teaching. And we came here, we got married, and we served in this church together. And after we got married, some things happened in our life, and the enemy wanted to destroy some things that God had prepared. And the enemy wanted to stop things that God had prepared when Pastor Cecil came here and started this ministry. But because of the ripple effect of Pastor Gary speaking into Dean's life, and because of Pastor Cecil speaking into Dan and Pauline's life. And because of the calling that was on his life. And people like Chris who never gave up on my marriage. And never gave up on my, my husband and our life. They called every day and they spoke into him. And, and they spoke into our lives and they prayed over us. And our marriage was restored. And our life was made whole and it was made more beautiful than anyone could ever imagine. We went to another ministry where I was the young adult, the youth pastor, my husband was the worship leader and God grew us in so many ways in those four and a half years. And we were called back here 
to the place that the enemy wanted to stop us from coming to, to the ministry that the enemy wanted to stop us from pouring into, that Pastor Cecil had a vision for. And we're on staff as pastors as this place pouring into the life of the young adults here. And you see, he didn't start a ripple effect, he made a tidal wave. Wow, amen. And it not only happens here, it happens everywhere. And the places we were before, I got messages from people who didn't even know about Evangel Temple that their grandfather in 1978 gave their life to Jesus with Pastor Cecil leading him. And now they're members of this church and they didn't even know this place was here that year. It's just the tidal wave that's happening through this place. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? Last Sunday night, Pastor Chris preached, and Daddy told me it was a powerful message, and it was, about the second chance that God gives us. How many have ever needed a second chance, a third chance? He's a God that gives us another chance when we've blown it. Amen? Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. I'm going to ask the ushers to pass out very quickly the sit with me cards that I want you to take this week. This is the last Sunday we're going to give them out like this, but they'll be available from now on because we want this to be culture, this to be DNA, that we're inviting people to come sit with us, that we're building relationships. Listen, 800,000 people in the city of Jacksonville don't have a church home. There are prodigals, there are lost coins, lost sheep, and we've got to go after them. Aren't you thankful God did not give up on you? He did not give up on me. We intentionally move the tarps around this week. They're in a different place. They're going to be taken up tomorrow. But they're in a little different place for a purpose, for a statement, that every one of us have a responsibility to find somebody to look for people, to know some Zacchaeuses by name. Everybody say amen. amen. I want you to put your name and phone number on five cards. And this week I am asking for intentional, intentional by every person going out and finding people and inviting people to come Easter weekend. The statistics that just recently were released that they We've been studying unchurched America. And they released a statistic two weeks ago that said 80% of people who are invited for Easter Sunday, 60% will come if they get a meaningful invitation any other week. But it jumps to 80% for Easter Sunday. How many know somebody that's not in church? I am commissioning Evangel Temple to give five meaningful invites this week. And to use the opportunities that God gives you. Here in our text in John chapter 12, we have the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. It marks the beginning of Holy Week. Probably the most important week of our Christian faith. Passover, as I said, was required. No one missed. It was a very important time to connect with worship, connect with faith. And to honor what the Passover message was. That there had been blood that was spilt a lamb that was slain and the blood put on the doorpost and the lintel of all of the Israelites' homes so that they could come out of Egypt and head towards the promised land. It represents for us as New Testament Christians the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior. 
All that happened in the Old Testament was a symbol, was a type of foreshadowing of what Christ would do. And now Holy Week begins on Palm Sunday here in John chapter 12. I want you to watch this. You have four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four writers list a myriad of details about the life and ministry of Jesus. But all four only list the same, the, the triumphal entry or a, a entry into Jerusalem and a few other that all four of them list. You may have three listing the miracle of the blind man, two re, uh, listing another miracle, the turning of water into wine. But all four, they only do this a couple of times, list the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. There is an important underlying theme that's being set in order and Jesus or the Holy Spirit caused all four gospel writers to list this entry today. Palm Sunday was important in the economy of heaven. Your commitment to worship today and beginning of Holy Week was very important that all four writers list this entry. And here in John chapter 12, we have John's account that Jesus, he comes off of the mount. Boy, we're having trouble with that cross this morning. Amen. Jesus is coming off of the Mount of Olives. Now, on the Mount of Olives, and this was roughly a mountaintop that was just a couple of miles long, but on the mount side facing the temple, the city at the top was, it was a village. It was called Bethpage. On the south side of that mountaintop is where Bethany was located. Both of these villages were about a mile apart. Bethpage is facing Jerusalem, facing the Temple Mount. Below Bethpage was the Garden of Gethsemane. This whole mountaintop is the Mount of Olives. And Jesus comes off of the Mount of Olives from the city of Bethpage. He sends his disciples into the little village of Bethpage and he says, go find me the donkey that's tied there. And the owner, if he asks you, just tell him that the master hath need of this donkey. I, I want to make a couple of points here. Number one, friends, what we have should be available to Christ. The owner of that little donkey in the Bible, one of the accounts says that no man had ever sat on this donkey. He made that little donkey available so that the king of kings would ride in on that donkey. Now it's very interesting that Jesus chose not a white stallion to come in as his triumphal entry. Was he not the king? Was he not the Lord? Was he not the master? Had he not fed the 5,000? Had he not uh, done all of these miracles that John, the same writer, he says even the books of the world couldn't contain his miracles. Was he not worthy of a white stallion? And yet he chooses a little donkey. He called to the donkey, sit with me. Or the donkey was calling to him, sit with me. And he sat with a lowly donkey. I believe he was making a statement because he came to working men, to men everywhere, men of low estate. He did not make himself a man of great reputation. But Philippians 2 says he humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Riding a lowly donkey in for his triumphal entry when if there's ever been a man that should have commanded a white stallion, it should have been Jesus the Christ, the King of glory. But it doesn't end here, friends. He's coming back one day because on that same mountain, 
help me in the house, please. On that same day, that same mountaintop from where he ascended, the angel said, he that hath ascended is the same that will come back someday as you have seen him go. But when he comes back, he'll be riding a white horse and inscribed on his vesture is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. He sat on that lowly donkey and he humbled himself just like we have to humble ourselves. Every one of us have to come to Christ and humble ourselves at the foot of the cross. Friends, we can't come in our pride. We can't come in our arrogance. We can't come in our achievements. We have to come and we have to bow at the foot of the cross. You see, it's level playing ground here at the foot of the cross. No man can exalt himself. Only Jesus is exalted. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And he was hung on this cross. He laid down his life on this cross. It, it was considered a, a, a terrible death, what he experienced. But Jesus was willing to humble himself and become obedient to the cross. And sir, you have to humble yourself. You need to get rid of pride. You need to get rid of arrogance. You need to get rid of, rid of self-will and self, uh, your independence. And you need to realize I need Christ in my life. I don't, I don't need religion. I need to come and bow before the Lord and Savior. I need to, uh, to lay it all there at the foot of the cross and come and ask Christ into my life afresh and anew. He humbled himself. And his life has had a rippling effect upon all of us. Amen. Jerusalem was full of pilgrims, full of people who worshiped. And all around the world, disciples of Christ will mark Holy Week this week. Today, that eastern gate, as we saw, 43 strong a few days ago, is walled up. I think it was the 6th century that another religion came in and they walled up that golden gate, that eastern gate, so that today it's walled, it's sealed. But not only that, they put a, a, a cemetery in front of that eastern gate, signifying and creating the atmosphere because no rabbi, which Jesus was a rabbi, would ever go through a cemetery. It defiled him. So Jesus, according to all of the fulfillment of scriptures, cannot go through that cemetery to get through that eastern gate, and yet the Bible says he's coming back and he's going through that eastern gate. Something's gotta happen. Uh, there's a cemetery that's got to be removed. Uh, there's a walled uh, gate that's got to be open. And when the time comes for the, the Son of Man to come from the, the throne, room of, throne room of heaven and to descend on that white stallion, my friends, I don't know if it's an earthquake or exactly what God's going to do, but I'm telling you he's not going to be defiled. He's going to be King of kings and Lord of lords, the conquering Savior, the conquering King. coming back in for his triumphal entry. Today we remind you that the lost coin is important. Every lost sheep was important. My heart was touched with that scripture from verse 14 of our text last week because it is not the Father's will for one sheep to perish. Intentionally the shepherd leaves 99 to go after one. 
Every one of us must intentionally go after the one this week. I'm asking you to do that as your pastor. I'm asking you to invite people to sit with you next Sunday on Holy Week, Easter weekend, as we celebrate the most important time of our faith. Would you watch the screen? Because there's a lot of hurting people that are lost in a crowd of life, and they need an invitation. It's simple, really. Just that feeling. Knowing you're not alone, that there's someone there, someone to hear you, to listen to you, to see you, to sit with you. We live in a crowd, but it's so easy to feel alone. A moment though, a shared moment, can make that crowd feel awfully small. A good story, a meal with friends, a long drive. It's simple, really. An open seat and an invitation. So come, sit with me. If you will invite them, they will come. I want the worship team to please come back. I want to talk to you in closing about the ripple effect of Pastor Cecil's life. We had a couple of verbal testimonies, but 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 says, you may have 10,000 teachers, but you have very few spiritual fathers. This church has had a spiritual father. You have had a spiritual father. And God has taken him into the presence of heaven. And he's worshiping. And he's celebrating. And he's honoring. In my life, he was like a patriarch. I watched his compassion. I watched his love. I watched his love for the lost. He complimented the services last Sunday a number of times, but could pay no higher compliment than what he said on Monday afternoon. He was in Lakeland, and we were chatting on the phone. And he said, the invitation for the lost was so powerful. He said, that's what we need to see in the pulpits of America and the churches of America is straightforward invite for people to give their life to Christ to be saved, to be radically changed. If they've messed up, there's a second chance. He had compassion towards people and he loved people. He loved Zacchaeus, just like Jesus loved Zacchaeus. Friends, it's Passover Sunday. Passover, I'm sorry, Palm Sunday, headed into Passover. It's Holy Week. This is an important time for every one of us. I made this statement last week. We have to train our children, our families. We have to teach them the principles of worship and teach them these important times of the year and seasons. Generational is always a choice. If you want to pass on generational blessings, you have to be very methodical. The pastor understood that and he was trying to pass that on to a body of believers. I want everyone to stand and I want you to hold steady for just a moment. I won't keep you but a minute. 
Steve, come here. Come here, Steve. He didn't know I was going to do this. But I want you to meet the person that drives John Kilpatrick around everywhere he goes and has for many, many years. This is Steve Fowler. Steve was saved in this church as a child. His family were gospel singers. Jack Fowler, the singing Fowlers from many, many years ago. And now today, his talent and driving, he, he, everywhere Brother Kilpatrick goes, he drives all over the nation every week. They're somewhere. And he slips in these services occasionally just to sit in the back. This is home. Isn't that right? Told me before the service, says, You're my second pastor. We grew up together. And he's serving the Lord by serving the man of God. Pastor Kilpatrick needs to get places. So he's going to have him here Wednesday night because Pastor called me a couple times yesterday. He said, I have to be there Wednesday. I have to be in that service. So Steve's going to make that available. He's going to load him up in that donkey. I don't even know what kind of bus it is, but amen. <laughs> and drive him over here. Whether he's making his talents. Thank you, Steve. Love you, brother. Love your family. I want to ask you. How can you serve? We, we get in relationship with Christ. And friends, what, what needs to happen is you've got to that, allow that relationship to cause you to begin to serve and share. We have to serve in the kingdom. Spiritual growth takes place when we're in the serve mode. Using your time, your talents, your energies in some form or fashion to serve the work of God. I want to give an call, altar call for the lost very quickly with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I know pastor's watching this altar call right now. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to move from where you're standing and come to this altar. If you've not given your life to Christ, if you were to die today, Dad never planned to be in heaven yesterday in the morning at 4 o'clock. We didn't plan for him to be there. No one's guaranteed tomorrow. No one. And if you're not ready, or maybe you're a prodigal and you've run, maybe you're a lost coin, you're a lost sheep, I'm stopping and holding the 99 for just a moment to find one. If you need to come to Christ, if you're not born again, if you can't tell pastor 100% I know I'm saved, I'm ready to go into the presence of God. I want you to move from where you're standing and come to this altar right now. Come, come, come from all over this room. If you're not born again, if you're not saved, if you're not where you ought to be, I invite you to come. God bless you, sir, for coming. Come on, there's somebody else that needs to come. Come on, God bless you. Come on, if you're not born again, if you're the lost coin, if you're the lost sheep, 
Jesus died on a cross the week of Passover. Come, come. God bless you, young men. God bless you, men. Come, come, come on. Come from the balcony. If you don't know Jesus, he died for your sins. He came so that you can have another chance. There's somebody listening to pastor that needs a second chance. You need a second chance. Come right now. Come, come, come. God bless you, man. God bless you. You need a second chance. Hey, the church hasn't written you off because Jesus hadn't written you off. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody shout hallelujah. You need a second chance. Come on, come. Maybe you've got some spiritual battles going on. I invite you to come right now. Come on. The devil's been attacking your life and challenging your statement and your walk of faith. Come right now. Come. Come. God bless you for coming. We need a lot of prayer team right now. Come. Two more areas and then I'm going to pray. If you need the fullness of the Spirit, I invite you to come. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The only way you're going to live victoriously over the devil's devices is to stay filled up with the Spirit of God. If you need the fullness of the Spirit, I invite you to come. Come be filled afresh and anew. Come. If you need healing in your body, I invite you to come. 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 Now, Father, everybody stretch your hands towards these who've come. God, for every need that's represented here, spiritual needs, salvation, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, healing. Thank you that you're the God of all comfort for a congregational family that needs the strength and the help of the Lord and the loss of a patriarch. The spiritual Father, we draw on the strength that only you can give. Lord, I pray that you'll bless, bless our church family and bless each and every person that is here, God, in this altar this morning. In the name of Jesus, we draw on your help. I want everyone to repeat this prayer, everyone online right now, repeat this prayer. Dear God in heaven, I believe in Jesus, that he is your son, that he came to provide salvation. I accept him into my life. I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. I turn from my sins and I turn to Christ. With your help, I will live and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give him praise in the house. Amen. While they pray with these, I want everyone else to lift your hands. I want to pray this prayer. They do this every Shabbat in Israel every Shabbat lift your hands from Numbers chapter 6 and the Lord spake unto Moses saying speak unto Aaron and unto his sons saying on this wise shall you bless the children of Israel saying the Lord bless thee and keep thee the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give you peace and you will put my name over your children and i will bless them amen and amen
God bless you. Come on, sing it, worship team. Worthy is the Lamb. Come on, sing it with me. Come on, sing it. See you. 